Welcome to the PSD Cast with your host, Jason Lumberg at Power Systems Design. And one of the biggest challenges for silicon carbide vendors is qualifying their stick devices to stringent industrial, automotive, and harsh envir- environment standards. One example being AECQ 101, a stress test qualification for automotive grade discrete semiconductors. And those challenges will escalate with GAN and SICK ballooning in popularity. By one estimate, SICK will become a $617 million market by 2022, so it'll become critical that everyone has a way to deal with these rules and standards. Uh, Microchip recently wrote a piece for us addressing this topic, and it's my distinct pleasure to introduce one of the authors, Avi Kashyap, to the show. Avi, thanks for joining us. And other than what I mentioned, what are some of the qualifications and regulatory standards that uh, sick vendors will have to deal with in the near future? Uh, so good morning, and uh, thanks for this uh, opportunity to talk to uh, uh, to, to your listeners. Um, so, you know, as as uh, you know, wide band gap is getting more popular, we're certainly seeing that the standards that we are using for silicon cannot be directly applied to silicon carbide. Um, because sometimes we might just be shooting ourselves on our foot by by doing that, uh, because uh, the silicon standards are developed uh, in a, more than 25, 30 years ago, um, and and the material properties are different, the use conditions are different. So why are we still using the same qual metrics? Is the is the larger question. So towards that end, you know, for 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 modules, we're going to have a new standard. Uh, which is, uh, you know, driven by the uh, European uh, car manufacturers. It's called the AQG324. So it has various uh, um, environmental tests that the modules would be subjected to. So these are power modules with the silicon carbide devices in them. Um, and they're, it's, a, it's a pretty stringent, uh, uh, you know, qualification uh, metric. Similarly, uh, the JEDEC, um, standards group, they also have a, a working group called the JC70 that focuses on uh, developing standards uh, for data sheets, test methods, and also qualification, both for silicon carbide and GAN. So that is still ongoing. Uh, you know, you, we can expect to see um, um, some sort of a standard for silicon carbide in the next, I would say, year or two. Um, and hopefully, you know, with all of the different device manufacturers participating in that, we really feel that, you know, that can uh, push the envelope in terms of uh, um, qualifying silicon carbide with silicon carbide standards and not silicon standards. And I also believe the automotive uh, uh, um, AC um, team, that's that's also coming up with uh, new tests um, methods or methodologies for for uh, accommodating um, uh, uh, wide band gap devices. Mm-hmm. Now let's let's discuss big picture. What's the biggest driver of, of silicon carbide adoption in the marketplace, and, and and why do you think that is exactly? So what is happening today that was not there maybe three four years ago is an intersection of um, device reliability a cost performance trade-off, and then thirdly, uh, the willingness to move away from uh, the the status quo. So if I were to quickly go into each of these, um, you know, if you talk about reliability, which used to be the actually seal for for these, uh, you know, for this new technology for a while, uh, the gate oxide used to be the biggest problem, and those issues are are solved, I would say, for the vast majority of the devices available in the market today. So you could say that 
um, the gate oxide reliability and the reliability of the silicon carbide devices in general are on par with their silicon counterparts. So people are no longer talking about that. So if you go to a, you know, a reliability conference today um, and compare that with what the topics were five years ago, you'll see that most of the papers today are talking about GAN reliability and not silicon carbide reliability. And that only means that you know, uh, people have accepted or are, or, or are happy with uh, what they're seeing uh, with, with silicon carbide parts. The second is the cost-performance trade-off. This used to be a big um, um, factor, too, in the past because um, um, as a typical silicon carbide device would be several times the cost of an equivalent uh, silicon device. Um, and then, you know, people get fixated on the base price of the device itself and say, hey, this is so much more expensive, it doesn't work for us, even though there is a, uh, the performance is much better. Now, with the moving from 4-inch to 6-inch substrates and also improvement in the process technology and thereby yields, what we are seeing is uh, the, the, the costs of the, of the manufacturing has dropped significantly. The substrate and AP costs are also dropping. And we are at a point where, uh, you know, early adopters are, are uh, you know, have made their calculations and it makes a lot of sense for them to pivot from um, silicon to silicon carbide uh, today. And thirdly, uh, when I talked about status quo, Initially, when wide band gap started gaining prominence, people just wanted a drop in replacement. So the first thing they would say is, okay, you know, I'm going to pull my silicon IGBT out, push this uh, new silicon carbide MOSFET in, and can I see an X person improvement in efficiency? The answer is a big no, because your whole system is designed with the silicon devices in mind, and you're not going to see a lot of improvement if you just do a, you know, a, 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 a replacement of that device with this device without making any change to their topology. So now people have understood that, that you need a system mindset when you're moving to, to wideband gap. You need to uh, make your inductors and capacitors smaller. Uh, you can make your frequency a lot more uh, uh, higher. So you need a full, full redesign. And, and so that mindset has completely changed now. People are, are, are doing new designs with silicon carbide devices in mind. So all of these three factors are enabling um, a very fast adoption of silicon carbide in the marketplace today. Right, right. Now, in your article, which, which we're going to link to, um, you and your co-authors uh, touch on the, the harsh ruggedness testing that was performed by Microchip. Now, what did that reveal exactly? So we do um, different types of uh, ruggedness testing. Uh, one example is an avalanche test or a one-shot UIS test, unclamped inductive switching. Um, we provide that information in the data sheet. Not too many manufacturers do that. Um, what we have seen in that testing is that our energy per unit area is probably the highest in the industry today. Um, and we need that capability simply because we target high performance industrial and automotive applications. They need a lot of safety margin. Um, and you know, it's not just reducing the die size uh, to, to the maximum level and say, OK, we got the cost down here. There has to be a trade-off between uh, a safety that you provide to the customer 
um, and also a cost that makes it, makes it sensible for them. So a one-shot UIS test is is a good indication as to you know how rugged the devices are, but it's not uh, the only indication. The, we went one step further and did what's called a repetitive UIS test. So in this case, we do the same um, or a similar one-shot, uh, a similar avalanche test, but we subject the devices to 100,000 hits back-to-back -back without self-heating to see if there is a long-term degradation that could happen um, because, you know, for example, there's a spurious signal in your circuit or a filter failed or something like that. So what happens when um, the, the devices go beyond the, the design specification of your system? That is the first objective. The second objective is, even if a customer says, you know what, that is never going to happen in my system, we have enough margin, uh, we have over-designed it, so we don't care about uh, you know, avalanche capability. In that case, what the RUIS tests reveal are the, uh, the strength of the oxide itself and what type of shielding it has. So UIS tests stresses the gate oxide a lot, and when we subjected this test, uh, when we subjected this test on our devices uh, for well, for 100,000 times, we see that some of our competitor parts actually show degradation. So the first see, uh, thing we noticed was our gate oxide is 2x stronger than um, the, the, than many other parts that are available in uh, in the market today. Um, so after subjecting this test, we then do what's called a TDDB measurement, a time-dependent dielectric breakdown to see if there is any degradation. So just off the bat, we see a 2x uh, difference in the gate oxide strength of our product versus what's available in the market. And the second thing it revealed was um, after the test, we see that some of the uh, competitor parts are actually failing. Um, Degradation it could be minor for some parts, and you can still live with that. But when it is failing, you clearly know that the shielding is improper or insufficient for the devices. So this has implications for long-term reliability, not just uh, under avalanche conditions, but just under normal operating conditions, because you're exposing the vulnerability of the uh, the, the gate oxide there. So uh, that's that's an important test we we did. We also did the repetitive surge tests. So these are back-to-back um, -back surge current hits on the devices. We did 10,000 hits to see if there was any degradation on, on our parts. We did not see anything, which was uh, uh, really encouraging. We also did neutron susceptibility tests. This is important simply because, you know, when you're going to be using these parts uh, at different elevations, because you could have a customer driving an electric vehicle in Denver, uh, versus somebody else uh, driving that in, uh, in say, Miami. The, the person driving the car in Denver or, or using a power electronic circuit in Denver has a higher chance of a failure happening in his circuit compared to somebody at sea level. So you have to see if your devices are able to withstand uh, these, these neutron flux that comes basically, uh, you know, from, from space, right? So we are all surrounded by that. Um, and and uh, power devices are especially susceptible simply because of all the high electric fields in the device. So when we perform the, uh, the, the neutron susceptibility test, we are seeing that our, our parts are pretty rugged from, from that perspective. And uh, uh, we are seeing a 10x 
improvement in the fit rates over equivalent silicon IGBTs. So that was another um, encouraging sign that we, we saw here. We also um, encourage our customers, uh, universities, research institutes, to do all of these tests ourselves, so you know we we publish all these results, um, and it, it it would sound like you know I'm saying my devices are great, but that is not the case here. We we actively encourage, we give all the test conditions that we use uh, for for our tests, and then say hey you know please repeat these tests and see for yourselves uh, what we saw in our labs. Mm -hmm. Now um, Avi, you you mentioned uh, unclamped inductive switching a lot. And um, you know, at, at, at the risk of, of being uh, redundant, what sort of design rules did, did you do you have to adhere to to achieve best-in-class UIS uh, ruggedness? Um, so, if you go back several years, even before silicon carbide that was uh, in the horizon, MicroSemi, um, which is now a subsidiary of Microchip, um, had. Uh, products that uh, you know silicon RF products that that had that needed uh, very high UIS capability because of the kind of applications they were being used in so we have been uh, you know putting in uh, UIS capability in the design itself for well over 20 30 years now and that carried over to our silicon carbide products uh, with with uh, several changes I cannot talk about the proprietary uh, you know design um, um, designs that we uh, do for for making it more rugged for UIS. However, what I would say is there's several steps that that happen, both in the design and the process, to uh, to make these devices more um, um, you know rugged from a UIS perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for all the great information, Avi. Uh, on behalf of uh, PSD, I want to thank you for your time, and to our audience, thanks for tuning in.